Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke with artist and traveler Jess Landau. Um, Jess is someone that uh, her and I followed each other on social media for, we're trying to pin it down, but at least a year, maybe longer, and um, got together for coffee a few months ago, and I had actually, she was doing a giveaway of some of her art, um, uh, painting, uh, and I won one, and uh, it was, you know, it was a commission-based thing, so she asked for my input, and I basically was like, you know, I'll leave it up to you to decide the colors, so on and so forth. She did this floating landscape, floating city landscape. I'm actually looking right at it in my kitchen right now. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we met up for coffee, had a great chat for an hour plus, and felt we had a lot of similarities in our sort of approach to how we live our lives and the pursuits that we pursue. <laughs> so after after that initial meeting, I thought uh, she would be an interesting person to talk to for this podcast, and I was definitely right. We got together at Adele's Coffee Shop in Dover, New Hampshire, and talked for about an hour and 15 minutes. It's funny, after I stopped rolling, we, st- we talked for another 10 minutes or so, but uh, yeah, it was a really interesting chat. She's someone who's traveled the country quite a bit as well. So we've talked about road trips and just different approaches to art and life. And yeah, it just I, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking with her again. And hopefully you will enjoy listening to this as well. So uh, yeah, this is me talking with Jess Landau. guarantee you somewhere between five and seven minutes in, I'm going to panically look like... I watched, or I was listening to one, and I heard you panically check to make sure it's recording. Well... Well, and technology fails in my presence. I have one of those auras. I was not meant to be a millennial. It's painful. (laughs) I mean, it took me like two hours to figure out how to find Google Play to find the podcast. So you did find it? Yes, I did. I did. I've listened to half of one because I spent most of my morning trying. Yes. Yes. But I finally, I found a device at my house that already has Google Play. Right. Sounds easy. When you asked me about it, I was just like, because I'm... I'm still, as of today, so I'm shaming you, Duncan Watt. Uh, I've, so this is on a network. There's nine other podcasts on the network. And so I delivered a couple episodes to them on Thursday, and it's now Tuesday, and they still haven't gone up. They told me on Sunday they were going up Sunday, but they haven't gone up, because I was like, when you asked, I was like, the most recent one that should be going up is a really good one. I was like, oh, that'll be a great one, but it's not up. I don't remember what the current one was, but it's not, you know, it's not bad. With very few exceptions, they're all really great conversations. Yeah, I mean, what I heard, seemed, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I like about it, is like, I don't really plan, like, it's not really an interview per se, it's just a conversation. It's people being people. Right. And I really, really dig that. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, any podcast I do listen to, I've been getting more and more into that recently. yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's just people being people. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I find that in itself intriguing. I mean, yeah. retail worker, you just spend all my time having small talk type conversations. Right. And I've been doing that for 10 years. Right. So, like, eventually, I need to find ways to make these five-minute conversations have some depth and content. Sure, sure. Because otherwise, my brain is going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? Yeah. What's funny, and we were talking right before we started recording about our you know, respective places of business that, you know, they're corporations, so we won't name them, but um, the grocery store that I work at, it's different than a lot of other retail places I've had as far as, like, when I interact with customers. I mean, sure, there's certainly a lot of small stock still, but I've had people tell me, like, very personal stuff, you know, I, a guy maybe a month ago to tell me that, you know, his dog had just passed away and kind of went into it. And I've seen, not just myself, but a lot of my coworkers, I've seen them give customers, like, hugs and, you know, like, they go and grab flowers and they're like, here, this is for us and stuff like that. And before I worked there and I was kind of aware of that, like, I was like, it's kind of like a weird, like, bullshit thing. And then, but... We're never at any point instructed like, oh, this is how we expect you to do it. It just sort of becomes the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 interesting, but then it's also interesting that I have coworkers that I've had really great, you know, personal conversations with, you know, behind closed doors, you know, one-on-one conversations, and then watching them with customers. They've got the, the the retail the shield face up, yeah. Oh yeah. And they're, you know, it's not that they're doing anything wrong, but the way that they respond to customers, I'm like, you're not being yourself. You're you're playing the part of this this person. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's I'm thinking of one guy in particular who's who's a friend, but it actually drives me a little bonkers being on register with him because it's just it's repetition. I'm just like, they're just people, man. Just just say hello and see where it goes like you don't have to plug in all this stuff mm-hmm. I don't know no I, I totally get that and I'm 100% guilty of having a, a I mean practically a script that I have written sure. for myself sure but I've been told I get away with it because I do it in a very loud and bubbly way sure. and there are sure. hand gestures and um so every time that people come up to the register, because, you know, I'll start a conversation really, really intense, like, hey, how are you today? Right. Did you finally need it? Right. And by the end of it, you know, it's really like, all right, well, hey, it was great to see you again. Have a good day. We'll see you next time. And then I just turn my head. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Come on up. Well, and a lot of that's so much about, like, body language and inflection as well, where the guy I was thinking of is just like, hello there. Welcome, you know, did you find everything you were looking for? Precisely. Yeah. When when you're doing that kind of customer service, it yeah. is, you either have the expressive body language right. and a script, yeah. or no script, and you just be yourself, be right. supernatural, but like, you can't do this awkward in-between, because right. it looks like an awkward in-between. Right, yeah, do it looks like you're at, Like It looks like you're at work, and the fact of the matter is, nobody wants to go to a store after their long work day and see somebody who's obviously tired of being at work. Right, right. Which is, in its own way, sometimes unfair to expect of the retail workers, sure. but that is the reality of what we're doing. Right. We're supposed to help brighten up their day, be like one little last happy spot as they pick up pet food and right. get their dog from grooming or whatever. Right. Yeah. Obviously, I work at pet store. We haven't said that part in here, but I work at a pet store. Right. Right. Now, I would. I mean, I, I kind of wonder 
about like a, like your job specifically because it's not just a retail because mm-hmm. it, it involves pets and often it involves someone's like actual pet being dropped off there. So it's like a, it's all it, you know to some people it's a family. Oh, it yeah. it is. Um, we have clients are our pets are the dogs that come into the salon or are in dog training. They are our clients. Yeah. And the owners are their pet parents. And that is truly a verbiage that is easy for me. Like, I mean, that is that is the reality of sure. it. Because they're not, cli- they're not customers. They are pet parents. And they are so involved and concerned with everything to do with their pets. Um, my job specifically, I am a... Uh, equivalent of an assistant manager with this company Um, and I oversee the dog training and grooming uh, as well as just in general like the guest experience making sure customers indeed find what they need if they have a problem I'm the smiling face that comes around to see what I can do to make it better Um, but yeah so going into grooming assisting with bathing assisting with checking dogs in and out scheduling appointments so Though I am not a groomer myself, I do become just as known as the stylist in my salon. Right. Uh, and, I mean, you're dealing with a situation where you drop off a dog with six inches of curly matted fur. Pet parent doesn't want it to lose length, but wants it to be clean and healthy. Even the greatest of pet parents sometimes don't understand that that means your dog's getting shaved. Right. Like, your dog's not going to have fur when you pick them up. Right. And that is indeed the healthy thing. And we can make it look darn cute. Right. Don't you worry. Right. But the amount of times that we will do exactly what they want, and then they are fucking pissed yeah. at us, yeah. is insanity. Right. But, yeah, you just have to remember, you're, you're dealing with their family member. Right. Their family member that can't speak for themselves. Right. And... These pet parents don't know the language to use all the time, and they don't always know what they're asking for. Or uh, dog training is always fun because really we're training the pet parents right. to do the right things with their pet. Right. And there are sometimes even you know when they're paying for class and getting signed up, you know we acknowledge that like this is more for you and the pet is oh, here. Absolutely. Yeah. But they'll still sometimes they come in for those first second classes and uh, they're like oh. You know, I, I realized I thought I was just going to kind of come and watch you play with my dog. It's like, mm. I'm going to teach you. We're, we're, you want to train it, though, right? Like, right. you wanted to do these things when you leave here. Because this is one hour a week. It's not going right. to change the world on its own. Right. Yeah, so just um, attempting to do the retail part of things. Because, yeah. yeah, while I do all this stuff and make people happy, mm. you still have to stock shelves, unload truck check out guests clean up poop and pee everywhere I sometimes joke I like on the weekends I walk around with a mop in my hand I am the highest paid janitor I've ever come across I'm I'm about seven years in with Petco with the uh, pet company I work with and uh, you know they have been good to me and uh, we do you know annual raises and things yeah there's a reason I'm still with them. Sure. You know, it, sure. they, they do well. But, uh, yeah, so I just consider I'm a super fancy janitor for uh, at least about 20 hours in my 40-hour week. Perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so much fun. It's funny. I was um, I was having a conversation with a friend 
and I know one for a second. That's the one frequency that like cuts through and you can't hear anything. I found it's the same frequency as a tattoo because I one, one of the few that I've recorded that I couldn't use was I recorded at a tattoo shop, which we were in a separate room. But you could hear every, that. Yeah, every you know thirty to forty seconds, and like you can't hear any of the audio. So and the steamer is the exact same frequency. So it's funny because it's it's fairly you know there's a lot of ambient noise in here. This cuts out like ninety percent of it. With that, it won't. What could be worse? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's I don't know. That's one of the things that like. You know, a lot of times when I record these, people are like, oh, so you're going to chop this up and edit it down, and I'm like, no. So there's, you get the pauses, the ums, the, you know, the, the sometimes milk being steamed in the background, but it's it's the beginning, middle, and end of an entire conversation. Than, Precisely. Know. No, I really, I really do dig that. All right, we are still recording. So. Fantastic. And I'm, like, super paranoid because the last one that I recorded... It actually stopped three minutes into the recording, and we didn't notice until about an hour in. So then I was like, oh, shit, we'll, we'll keep going. It, it was okay, but, it, I mean, it was one of those things I was like, well, I guess this conversation was just for us, which that's how this podcast started, because I was already, like, getting together with people and just having long conversations, and I was like... Let's start recording some of these. So, but you know, at the same time, when you get together to record a podcast, it's always a bummer. Anyway, what I was saying before the the steaming commenced was yesterday. I was having a conversation with a friend who had asked me, said, you know, a coworker as well. Where do you see yourself? You know, do you think you'll still be with this company in five years, ten years? And I said. I mean, I'm a year in, so who knows? But I've always, I've, I've never been one of those people that looked at my job as my identity, I guess. Like, not to say that I don't, you know, I'm not all in when I'm working, but... My God, good for you. <laughs> well, you kind of strike me as a similar person, so... Now? Yeah. I am 100% a recovered workaholic. Sure. Hugely. I mean, three years ago, I would not agree with you in the slightest. I had no identity outside of my career. It is the career I am still in. Right. But there, there was no separation. Yeah. There was nothing else for me. Yeah. And I had a lot of other things going on. So this would have been, this was like just, just finally moved out from uh, living with my ex-husband because, you know, we separated and lived together for about eight months. Had that fun little time in existence. Um, but so this was like out on my own for the first time, literally on my own for the first time, 25 years old, Right. own apartment, did not know anyone. I was 2000 miles away from home, which I actually loved, but still I had, I just, I had nothing. I really didn't know what I was doing. Right. So I went to work, always. And even before that, my workaholism was pretty yeah. iffy. I mean, we kind of yeah. hit a point when, you know, I was married, even when things were good. Right. I was the bread, like, I made money. I had the most consistent job. There was, like, an eight-month period where I was able to quit pet stores, and I was bartending and working at a bakery out in Texas for a while, and... 
only working about four days a week. And, and like, and it was wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I do not think I could have actually stopped working at that point. In theory, I technically could have. Sure. And that was kind of the idea. I had this ability that I could stay home and do creative things, and which now I would kill for. But I, but at that point, like the idea of not working, right? That was insanity because yeah. I didn't know who I was. I was afraid to even try and figure that out. Yeah. This past two years has definitely been. I've really worked to separate myself from work yeah. and my own individual life. Mm. I would say it's probably only like the last six months yeah. that I've actually truly made that separation and been able to say like, I have my forty hours at work. Sure. It's only going to be 40 hours. Yeah. And I'm going to have my days for me. Right. Whether it's for art things, whether it's for running around outside, doing photos, whatever. But that's a very new thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I am much happier and I don't really, can't quite grasp how I was... Living that way before. Yeah. I mean, I work 20-hour days. A lot. That was nothing to me. Right. Or I'd literally work like 12 hours, sleep for four, and go back for another 12. And yeah. it just wouldn't cross my mind. Right. Because at least, you know, I was doing things, and I didn't have to think. Sure. And then, yeah, you know, I finally hit that point where I wanted to think. And... Yeah, no, I've finally kind of made that separation and have definitely started thinking along the lines of what your friend asked you of like, what am I seeing myself do in the next few years? Yeah. And I really, 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 really hope it is getting away from um, everything I do right now, sure. honestly. Sure. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I was, when I, when I said, you know, what I did to her, it was more, I was like, well, the job has always been the facilitator to let me do the stuff that's really important to me. And sometimes it's, you know, it's been easier than others. And I mean, right now I'm working 40 hours a week and then another 11 at another job for another couple of weeks. But even just leaving that one job, or the you know the part-time job, mm -hmm. just having one job is making me very antsy. Because and it's not even a financial thing. I think it's just I get worried when I have too much free time that I'm going to squander the time, like not use it in a productive way. Uh huh. Even though I do plenty of art, I do plenty of writing, I do plenty of this, which I you know some people might argue but this is this is something that definitely feeds my creative soul as well uh, it's all that feeds to you as a being right. I mean interaction and communication really are the only things we are guaranteed in this existence right. if you take advantage of it and as one I mean in this part of kind of trying to find myself again I have separated myself from most people. Mm -hmm. I've been very intensely kind of being a loner. Again, even doing this, so weird for me. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I, well, actually probably the last time you and I got coffee. Right. One of the last times I had a really in-depth conversation. 
gosh, I did when I was on my road trip. I actually went and met up with an artist in Idaho that I... Yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, which that, again, another thing that just is... I have a lot of trust issues, and I don't trust people. That was kind of a big part of I needed to take some time and think of myself and what I'm looking for. Right. Because I keep finding, whether it's friends or anything else, Right. I keep finding I've got a few rare gems that have stuck with me. Right. I keep finding a lot of people that just are not healthy for me, aren't healthy for themselves. Yeah. And I am overly empathetic. And I just want to be there because I personally have very few needs, mm-hmm. but I'm very capable. So yeah. somebody else needs things. Like I can do this. Right. right. Uh, so I, I, I very much made a point to purposely separate myself and yeah. kind of do a more hermit thing, get more comfortable being alone. Yeah. My road trip a couple months or I guess about a month ago yeah. was definitely a big part of that. I always wanted to do some cross-country stuff I have done two three-day vacations here and there and you know gone a few hundred miles alone but haven't done that much alone outside of comfort zones so I I mean as you know but I'll explain I flew out to Idaho uh, visited some family out there and then rented a car and drove through Utah, Wyoming, down into Colorado. Um, I used to live out in Colorado. I was more or less stuck in the Denver area while I was out there. But I took about a day and a half, almost two days, between Utah and Wyoming. And I don't even know where I stopped half the time. I just, yeah, like I saw a scenic sign that looked cool. Um, I was kind of driving alongside a really intense thunderstorm. So that's where it made a lot of decisions for me of like, all right, we're going to go a little faster right now. Um, I spent one night sleeping in my hammock on the side of the highway because the rest area was gorgeous and it was beautiful out. So yeah, instead of sleeping for four hours in my car, I pulled my hammock out of my backpack. That's awesome. It was fucking awesome. And, uh, yeah, I just love that feeling of going. But definitely the most fun I had was along the way at truck stops, I guess, and talking to other people, traveling, talking to others. And uh, while I was in Idaho, realized that where I was staying, uh, another artist, uh, Princey artist, he was 20 minutes away. Um, and he and I had been chatting for a little while. I'd actually at one point won a giveaway, so I have a piece of his art on my wall at home. Very cool. Um, so yeah, so I went out there, met him, and you know, we just kind of did the same thing. We just had a real conversation and yeah. actually connected with a human being. And I mean, I think kind of between having that kind of conversation with you and then going out there, meeting him, having that conversation, having lots of conversations randomly middle of 2 a.m. in the middle of nowhere Wyoming like literally nowhere Wyoming and uh, I happened to be at a gas station that was on a road Uh, it was S. Higley one of my best friends last name is Higley and I always call him Sir Higley so it was just like and I had this whole conversation with this guy like obviously I'm supposed to stop here this road is named after one of my best friends like um, but I don't know, those kinds of experiences the last couple months have really made me think about the fact that I am pretty confident in myself and comfortable, and I, I the things that 
terrified me within myself. Right. Aren't really there anymore. So at this point, me being a loner is completely my choice because now this is my comfort zone. Right. So, long story to get to the point of, very glad to be doing this yeah. and uh, trying to break that comfort zone yeah. to an extent. It's too bad there isn't anything for the facial <laughs> expressions because I can feel my facial expressions. Right. Yeah. Uh... You, you, you can't hear it, but uh, Jess is a very animated uh, speaker, <laughs> which is fantastic. I always, I always get a kick out of uh, if I'm out and about in the world and I see someone talk on, on the phone, and they're talking with their hands, and I'm like, nobody can see you. But then I was like, well, it's, it's just as much for the person talking as it is for the person. So that's actually that's one of one of my favorite things was I like doing candid photography. Yeah. I don't have a camera right now. Yeah. All I do is uh, photos on my cell phone, sure. which is an iPhone five. So I, I am quite impressed personally yeah. that I get some decent shots with oh, a horribly outdated piece of equipment. Right. Um, but when I used to have, when I had my camera working, uh, photos of people around town in public on their phone so obviously in their own thing mm-hmm. with everyone else around like that's one of my favorite subjects because you get so much different motion and interaction from them and the passerbys or whatever else is going on but they are so focused in that moment yeah. I'm, I'm very I, I know we've had this conversation I'm very torn on my feelings of technology and the sure. world because yeah. I appreciate the knowledge and just the brilliance that it took to get here. But I really question whether we did ourselves well by incorporating it to the extents that we have. And I have accepted that it's kind of a necessity. But I try and limit as much as possible. You know? I I don't know. There's something about it just seems off and not quite human. Well, it's... There's a weird dichotomy of the fact that, like, we're, we're, we, our civilization, our culture the way it is now, we do so much stuff to intentionally isolate ourselves, but then we're also hungry for interaction, but it's like a curated interaction, like we want to interact in a certain way, and it's, it, it's really not healthy because, like, we... we we grow from opposition and overcoming obstacles and also hearing opinions different than ours and deciding whether or not the information we're taking in is valid and incorporating that into the knowledge we already have where where everything is so curated to what you're already into or believe it's you're I don't know like I think we're kind of like stagnating our own growth It's, it's important to be uncomfortable you know precisely I mean, I don't like my phone, but the existence of my phone has made it really easy for me to continue being an intense hermit, because I can reach out enough to people that I'm like, no, I mean, I'm good. I had I had a whole conversation with this, like, I didn't talk to nobody on my day off. Right, right. But it's not quite the same. I mean, or not quite, it's not the same. Yeah. There is no real comparison. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know, it, 
I almost think if I weren't working retail while being a total hermit, I may have forgotten how to human. I I say that jokingly at work all the time. I just, I can't human today. I just, it's beyond my capabilities. Uh, But I truly think had I not been forced to continue having conversations at least while on the clock. Because I, I, like, I, I have so many things that go on in my brain. I can keep myself entertained. Like, that's not a problem. I've, I've, again, as I said, I've, I've gotten over that fear. Things in my head I'm cool with. I'm cool putting them on paper. I'm, we're, not, we're not afraid anymore. But so that also means I'm not afraid to just stay in there and do nothing else. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And you see it all the time, like, working in the public. Right. 18, 19, like, they, they don't know how to have a conversation. Right, right. I mean, and it, like, I mean, I, I have kids that I'm pretty sure are adults. Right. Who are afraid to ask for a dozen crickets at the register. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see the fear. And like, and I, I can remember being that way with phones. Like, talking on the phone growing up was terrible. I couldn't imagine it. Like, why can't I just go to them and have a conversation in person? Yeah. And now, I mean, it's almost totally flipped. Yeah. It's flipped and intensified because now it's not even a phone conversation. People are afraid to have phone conversations and real conversations. Everything is through texting. Right. Which then there's absolutely no... There's no real intake of emotion there. Right. Well, and there's no real risk of revealing how you're being affected as well. Yes, very true. And I get those benefits and those ups. I sure. do because I have hidden behind them myself many a times. Yeah. But that's not okay for human beings. Right. That's not the kind of creatures we are. And, uh, yeah, I just... Even with myself having been kind of engrossed in that, it right. scares me. Yeah. It just seems so wrong for what we should be doing. Right. Um, so I kind of always had that thought, but it's it's really intensified in the last few months. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely kind of leaning towards and hoping to. I want to travel for a few months. Yeah. Like. I'm, that's kind of really my goal. I am, I know, I'm, I'm like a baby. I'm turning 30 in November. And I'm really, really hoping I will spend at least half of my year as a 30-year-old without a locked-in 40-hour-week job. I have food background. I have a love of baking and coffee. And I, I don't know, I just want to get something I can live in that can go. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I don't want to have any much of a plan after that. Right. Because I spent most of my 20s with this very, like, it changed a lot. But you always had, like, this is what my five-year looks like. This is what I'm doing next. This is where I'm going with everything. And, you know, not only did none of it pan out, it epically, disastrously, terribly 
went every other way possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, no, I mean, I guess I've just kind of gotten to a point where I can accept that. I don't know what exactly I want. Right. I think I have a good idea of things I can do to actually figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm incredibly lucky that I have made it to 30 and I don't have a pain in the ass husband or a family that relies on me or or even a career that I really can't leave. Right. Because, you know, if I leave where I am, it is big box. I know it'll hurt because I'm good at what I do and I've made good connections with my guests right. and my staff. Right. But there will be somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to work in independent pet stores and any time, like, I'd spend six months being really upset in the position I was in and wanting to leave before I even tried. Yeah. Because I was like, but if I leave, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking away a lot of things that I do. I, I'm taking away, you know, a lot of tasks that I just come in and do on a day-to-day that people may not even realize I do. Right. But, you know, you just feel... notice it once you stop doing it. Yeah. Or even, you know, my, my mother runs a nonprofit. If ever she wanted to leave or, my goodness, one day retire, she is the main facilitator of day-to-day operations. You yeah. know, there's a board of trustees that runs things, and and yes, of course, there would more than likely be somebody else someday. But she's been doing it 11 years. She's been there since day one. Yeah. If and when she decides to go someplace and do something else for herself, yeah. it's going to take you know, time to make that transition happen yeah. because she has those obligations. Yeah. So I'm very lucky that I have a career that pays well, that I've been doing for years and yeah. I'm very confident in. But if I were to put on that two weeks notice, it's not going to ruin the world. Right. And I've never felt like that before. So I definitely feel like, like this, this is the year. Like I need to yeah. just quit all get on the road go do something completely for me and I mean hopefully I'll figure out something from there I don't see myself you know I was born and raised in New Hampshire I will always be from the 603 because you can never leave it right but I think but I think yeah oh always but I think I need to leave it again. Yeah. I don't know exactly where I want to go, but I think I need to leave it again. Yep. Yeah. It's funny, you and I are in a similar headspace right now. Like, I'm in a, I have a job that I like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a decent amount of, like, a, like a built-in audience, and I feel weird even saying that, but as far as, like, people who purchase my art and stuff like that around here but I also got that wanderlust real bad and I don't know I have some ideas where I want to go like the Pacific Northwest has been calling me pretty hard for a while oh yeah and luckily the job that I have now they're in not every state, but a lot of them. They're like 35. They're in the good states. Let's, let's right. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, they're not in Hawaii. 
which, uh, but that's, it's so difficult for... I, I have two options in Hawaii and yeah. four options in Alaska. Interesting. Or maybe it's two Alaska, four Hawaii. Whatever. You've but got yes, options. I've, in theory, I've got options. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, because Alaska is now the only state that I haven't been to, so, like, that's, yeah, that's my 2020 goal before, because I turn 45 in 2020 at the tail end. Okay. Okay. But I was like, all right, I got to I gotta knock that off before 45th birthday. But with the company that I'm with now, it's very easy to transfer with. So I'm trying to figure out where I want to go. I basically, I'm not going to, I'm not going to relocate until my dog passes. I mean, that dog's about 12 or 13. We're not sure how I goes, completely understand. She, I've moved her a bunch and she's been a trooper, but I'm like, she's an older dog and I want her to be comfortable and enjoy the last couple of years. So, you know, it could be 18 months from now. It could be five years from now. Who knows? Um, you know, obviously I hope I have as much time with her as possible, but I want her quality of life to be good. No, I'm definitely so, keeping her still. Like, I yeah. so get that and respect yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, half, half of my moving around will mean leaving my cat with my mother for a while, and I'm very torn on this because my monster cat is my life. I, I love him. But monster cat and a van or camper sure. is not going to pair out that well. Yeah, no. for sure. Yeah, my, uh, I have a monster cat as well. Uh, I, I mean... Cats have about the same lifespan as a dog, right? No, sometimes they can live longer, though. Uh, cats can... Uh, I mean, 15 to 25 years is a pretty reasonable range with cats. Yeah. So I have no idea how old my cat is because she literally followed me home in Arizona. Oh, I love that. From a bar. It was it's funny. So the town that I lived in was very small. It's 440 people. Okay. Jerome, Arizona. Two bars in Jerome, and I, I worked at a restaurant. I was the bartender at a restaurant, and uh, one of my friends who I worked with, uh, he would go to this one bar every night after work, and I usually didn't. I'm not much of a drinker, but we both had a pretty pretty good night tip wise. So I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah. And he was a smoker. I don't think he still is, but regardless, every 20 minutes or so, go outside for a cigarette. And this cat showed up and was very, very friendly, very affectionate, but clearly astray, like skin and bones. And um, he's like, this is, you know, two or three times we'd come out and the cat would just show up within 30 seconds of us being outside. I was I was a smoker myself, but I'd go out and have conversation with him while we're outside. So after like the third time of you know, petting the cat, he's just like, this is a great cat. So like, I really wish I didn't already have five cats, because he lived with his sister at the time, they had a house, and they had five yeah. cats. He's like, we cannot have him. He's like, because if I bring this cat home, my sister will keep her. He's like, we, we don't need more cats. I was like, yep. So two or three more times out, cat keeps coming out. He's like, you should adopt this cat. I was like, I don't want a cat, man. Like, I've never been a cat guy. Like, I was like, I'm not interested. He's like, it's a really good cat. I'm like, you take it home. He's like, I, I can't. I've got all these cats. And I said, okay. So it's getting to be the point in the night where I'm getting ready to leave. And it's just on me about this cat. He's like, you should take that cat. I'm like, make you a deal. Uh, I said, if we go outside... 
and the cat's there, I'll take the cat. Because I know he wasn't going to let it go. He's like, alright. So I go outside to leave, he's like, alright, see you later. Cat's nowhere to be found. So I was like, good, I'm off the hook. Start walking home. I live two blocks from the bar. I get past this huge hedge right by its stairs, and the cat comes down and just starts walking behind me. And I was like, son of a bitch. So I walk to my apartment. The cat, I, didn't, I don't think the cat operating. It just follows me all the way to the apartment. So I just, you know, I open my door to go in, and I just, and the cat just looks up at me. I was like, if you're coming in, come in. If not, fuck off. So the cat came in. So that was. That was how Asriel came to be in my life. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that. She's very plump and fat now, and she terrorizes my deaf dog. So that sounds about right. Yep. I've got I've, I've got myself a uh, Bengal tabby mix. Mm. He is about twenty five pounds. He is not overweight. Yep. He if he stands on his back legs and puts his paws up, they come to about my shoulders, chest yep. level. Yep. He is literally just a fucking beast yeah. of a feline. Well, Bengal's a big cat anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's he's not as big as some male Bengals get. Like, yeah, def- definitely not. But he no. just... He is a big kitty cat. Pretty vocal, too, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, he was basically just screaming at uh, my mother and I all morning. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. He um, does not let you sleep in. Right. Uh, like, if it gets to 8 a.m. and he has not had food, he will make sure you know about it. Right. Uh, he likes to go outside on his harness. And when it's nice outside, he will literally stand at that door. Right. Until you put it, like... It's so funny, because we really do. We let the cat control our, control our lives. Right. Um, but, hey, what you gonna do? Right. That's funny, because the two cats that I had moving to Arizona, we we were like, all right, well, we're going to have to figure out how to take them outside and stuff like that. So we got the cat harnesses, and I've never seen two cats be so ridiculous. I mean, they reacted differently. Uh, one of them just collapsed, and you could literally take the cat for a drag, because... Uh, she wouldn't move. The noodle. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one lost his fucking mind, screaming, like throwing itself against the wall for a good 10 minutes. You couldn't get near the cat to try and take the harness off. Yep. And I've seen that. Yeah. So that one we learned very quickly. We're not even going to try and take them outside. But yeah, the other one. She got somewhat used to it, but it was just one of those things where like, oh, well, they're not going to be outdoor cats at all. And, you know, we're not the, we, we're not the type of household to have indoor-outdoor cats, so. Yeah, but. no, if, I, if I'm ever set up someplace permanently where he could be indoor-outdoor, that's absolutely what Eugene would want. That's my cat's Eugene. Nice. Um, but yes, I, we are not anywhere where he's allowed outside, technically. Right. Um, and he luckily grew up around a dog and saw the dog got to go outside. The dog had a harness and he kind of put two and two together or that's what I'm telling myself because I myself am an insane fucking pet parent too. Let's face it. I've been doing it for 10 years. Like I wouldn't really be able to go to work still if I weren't a crazy pet parent myself. Right. (laughs) That's funny. 
So you're, it's funny because you know you were talking about the the pros and cons of technology and whatnot, and also meeting up the artist on your trip because that's how you and I initially met. Because I I want to give away that you were doing mm-hmm. one of your paintings, yes. and so we met up for coffee, and then through the I mean we had a, a, a at least. From, from my side of the table, uh, I know we had a great conversation. Oh, um, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, we got to get together and record one of these. But, um, you know, your painting was, I, um, I think, how I initially started following you on Instagram. Um, but I'm always curious with other artists. I mean, all different disciplines of art, but specifically visual arts, like, like, how do you like? Do you have a particular like system or like? Because every artist is different. Um, Not at all. Like, when do you create? When I fucking feel like it. Okay. Some days, uh, I mean, again, I'm a recovering workaholic, so it doesn't happen often. Sure. But there are some days where I'm just not feeling work, and I have this idea in my head, and I leave early that day, and I'll work late another day, mm-hmm. because I just have to go home and do right. it. Right. Um, sometimes I'm an insomniac, and I just paint all night. Right. Uh, I try and make myself... I like creating, and I like drawing. Um, and I do sometimes find I'll get kind of sucked into other activities or so I, I kind of I do try to make myself do like a half hour of something every right. day right. just to kind of keep it fresh in the mind but I mean when I was growing up I was really into a lot more of like textile arts I knitted crocheted I was into sewing I did some like a lot of like thrift store remakes and uh that kind of stuff. I went to boarding art school during the summers in Vermont. Right. Um, and I actually got really into weaving, like on a full eight pedal, four pedal, eight foot loom. Or maybe it was a six pedal. But yeah, I mean, there were a couple of different looms I used. But, you know, I learned like huge right. looms and dyed my own yarn and all that oh, wow. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I went to the Great Bay Learning Charter School, and our school colors were tie-dye. So I got really into tie-dyeing as kind of a thing in its own. I have always been a creative person, but I don't think I actually thought to think of myself as an artist until probably like the last year or so. Um, It's just something I like to do, and I don't, I mean, besides... Besides kind of, you know, like, I try and make myself draw for a half hour a day just to do it. You know, besides that here and there, I don't necessarily force myself to do anything. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when I get really into something, like this winter, I was really into painting and acrylics yeah. and kind of messing with color and uh, the different textures that they can create and whatever. I've got like 35 canvases sitting around my room right now. Right. Probably from like a month and a half of random production. Yeah. And it's just what I was feeling at the time. And then I started getting really into, uh, I think what I kind of really started with when it comes to visual arts and like wall art. Um, Actually, I mean, it probably first really started becoming an interest as far as, like, wall aesthetics uh, when I was doing photography. And, like, even then, I've never done photography on a professional level. I don't know how to edit things on a computer. I barely know how to get my pictures onto a computer. I figured it out. 
but then it also means I have to find somebody with a computer because right. I don't own a computer. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I just was taking photos for my own gratification of seeing a certain image and, and getting it exactly yeah. what I saw and trying to get the emotion that I felt. I, I think I stayed from a rather empathetic human being. Yeah. And there's something about kin photography, nature photography that I just do think when in the right sense gives off a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, and then from that, when my camera started to die, I started getting really back into these black and white flower drawings and uh, a lot of people will kind of describe them as mandala-like. I was not necessarily drawing them to be mandalas, but similar idea, large symmetrical leaves with patterns that are, and uh, just very unique designs. And my thought was I just really enjoyed the idea of using a single writing utensil to create this whole imagery. Yeah. Um... And then I started kind of morphing that with, uh, especially like with mountains and things like that, living in Colorado yeah. for a while in the Rockies. Forever I have a place in my heart as well as the 603. Uh, but trying to just utilize black and white lines to replicate actual things I was seeing. Right, right. Um, and so I, you know, for a while I was starting out with the flowers and things and, you know, things I photographed, trying to do a replication of it with black and white flowers. Um, but yeah, I've recently really kind of started digging this whole taking these huge landscapes. Yeah. And these landscapes that, you know, when I was there, there's just so much depth and contrast, whether it be from light or actual natural structure, whatever. And trying to very abstractly and still in kind of a kid sketchy sort of manner replicate that. Yeah. Um, but no, I have literally no form or system. I'm and that's that's kind of my mantra in life right now. When I have my time, I'm just gonna do what I want. Sure. And you know, a lot of times when I'm trying to figure out something inside myself, that's when I get really into something. Right. It's almost always emotionally driven. Yeah. But no, I have no form, no I mean I I have canvases and paintbrushes just sitting around in my room waiting to be picked up if I decide to start painting again. Mm. But it's just, you know, been all about the line work the last couple of months. But it's all there. Yeah. And I'm sure one day I will randomly be like, ah, oh, I need to put this onto a canvas with lots of color. Right. And uh yeah, no, I I just let it be and they it... Well, I mean it sounds like that sort of is your your method is letting letting the day dictate what what you're gonna do, which you know that comes naturally to some artists and some. It's very like, oh, I sit down for two hours a day like this and do this. For me, for a long time, I was trying to force myself to do at least an hour of a drawing or something every day and. With a job change about a year ago, like a shift from doing jewelry and watch repair 40 hours a week, where I had a lot of downtime, so I could kind of double up on the time and do a lot of sketching while I was sitting at the kiosk waiting for people to show up, yeah. or 
only been here one day a week now, so I have to force myself to make the time, you know, in my downtime. Otherwise, this, and it's really hard for me to do it at home because I have too many distractions, too many other things, which is fine because, you know, it's all stuff that I enjoy and appreciate. That's distracting me, but, like, yeah, it's, I mean, discipline in really any aspect of my life has never come naturally to me, so it's so, you know, you know, and, and I think most of, most of the artists I admire are sort of the same way, but same time I, I have to force myself to do it or, or else I you know never never create never get anything done but but the flip side of it is there's certainly value in following your heart's desire day to day yes yeah. no and that's it's a value that's very new to me it's it's but I've uh, definitely been enjoying it nice I mean as I as I've said, I I was very controlling within myself, and yeah, yeah I mean, mostly about work and yeah. uh, just continuing to make money and pay off my stupid debts from when I was younger and whatever else, right. and just trying to make all those things go away. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, I mean for probably going back like six five six years I mean I just wasn't doing that much creatively at that time because I was so focused on all the other things and just you know kept telling myself like if I just if I do these things right now and just you know sell my soul and whatever it doesn't really matter what I actually want right I'm going to get to this point where I can then do whatever I want right in my mind, that point was supposed to be three years ago. Right. The reality has been, I am maybe going to be just about at that point in another few months here. Right. Right. Uh, and yeah, I have always wanted to do something just for me and to just exist, which seems like such a selfish thing in this day and age like I love community and I love the things around us but I just want to be I really don't need much else Um, but so yeah I just have definitely let myself be more free let myself just enjoy what I'm doing without pressure and yeah it's, it's wonderful. Well, it's interesting, you know, you use the word selfish because I was having this conversation with a coworker the other day because, you know, he kind of commented about, he's like, he's like, you seem to live your life doing what you want. He's like, and a lot of people, he's like, myself included, are, are envious of that. And I said, well, I said, you know, I, I'm in a lucky position, you know, much like yourself where, you know, I don't have significant other or children that I'm beholding to so I can kind of follow the, you know, whatever, you know, crazy idea pops into my head, I can kind of do it. You know, it's basically like, all right, if I'm going to be gone for more than a day, let me find a place, someone who's going to watch the dog for a little bit. And I have friends who, you know, know my dog, who have spent time with my dog, that they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll take her yep. or whatever. And, uh, 
But so many people are, are just like, oh, I could never do that, or I'm envious of it. I'm like, you, you can. I mean, there are certainly, if you've got other people in your life that are relying on you, then there's consequences if you choose to do that. But, you know, so much of just individual lives, like, I don't know, we I feel like we as humans often let the word shouldn't, like, dictate how we do. And I'm like, it's like one of the most damaging words in English language. Oh, so much. Yeah. I mean... Sorry, I'm just like mentally reeling because I agree with everything you just said so intensely. I know this isn't the reality that I've been telling myself since I turned 18 that though I would love to go run away in the woods and build an earthship and live off the land, no joke, I know enough about foraging. I, I, I can get animal things and make them be food I'm down with that but I've always told myself I shouldn't that's not actually being a grown up that's not actually being a part of society and maybe it's not a part of the largest parts of society but it is a society and it is an existence and yeah, I don't know. I see so many people between our ages that are in our situation where, other than maybe maybe a career, they don't have attachments. They don't have anything that is forcing them, but they still say they can't or they shouldn't. And that that is the thought process that in the last six months has actually clicked in my brain and she's like, oh, fuck me. What have I been fucking doing? Right. Because I don't have to do this. Right. Anybody who thinks I'm ridiculous because I want to quit my career of 10 years and live in a car or a van for a few months while I figure it out. Right. I probably don't need that person around. Right. And Certainly don't need to listen to their advice. Precisely. But I have always... You know, I grew up in a situation where I had this, you know, circle of probably like 15 people that from about the ages of 10, some of us from way earlier than that, but from about the ages of 10, 11, through all of high school into our early 20s, we all remained really good friends. And none of them, none of them are bad. Actually, they're all pretty awesome people. But... I put so much weight on what I thought they would think. I didn't realize that they had moved on. Like, our lives had separated so much. But in my head, I had this idea of what my community and what my chosen family was doing and what they wanted and where what would be accepted. And then, you know with the whole separation and divorce and you realize that those ties were nowhere near as strong anymore as I was telling myself they were. Right. And it was all me putting so much weight on these things that existed forever, these comfort zones. Mm-hmm. And none of it was about what I want. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you do see, like, I don't have kids. I don't have a significant other. Yeah. 
I'm actually very happy without a significant other, right. which is not a common thing for a right. 30-year-old. Right. I'm not saying I'm opposed, right. but I have zero interest or need right. to go look for it. Right. You're feeling fulfilled regardless. Precisely. Right. And honestly, I never thought I would be there. I never thought that was a thing I would think. It was always, even this idea of wanting to travel and be kind of wanderlust, nomad, hippie, whatever you want to label it as. Right. I just see it as doing me. Right. But for quite some time through my 20s, my thought was, you know, when I was married, it was, we're going to pay off these bills, we're going to make this savings, we're going to do this, we're going to get a house, and then we're going to buy a van as well and be able to do all these awesome things. Right. It's always been an idea of like, well, you know, I'll go back home and maybe I'll meet somebody. And then we can plan together. But then, yeah, just having that realization of like, wait, I don't really want or need anybody. I want people in a community because I choose to want it. But I also know I may not have necessarily found that yet. And I need to go. Or maybe I need to go to realize once again that this is what I need to be and, or where I need to be and right. what I need to be doing. But I have the ability to go. I, you know, I, I have a few things on the financial end of life to be an adult that I should take care of. Mm-hmm. And I want to because it will make me feel good yeah. about my standing in the norm of society. Right. But then I can go. Yeah. And that is a pretty damn exciting thing that most people would not take advantage of. For sure. And I feel so selfish sometimes talking about it. Like, I mean, I don't really have conversations with my employees or anything about it. Right. Because so many of them, I, I feel like that's, that's their opinion. I feel like that's how, you know, they're just kind of bothered that I can go. I can go right. do things. I can run around. Yeah. Uh, and it's... I don't know. I don't like keeping myself withdrawn, but I just also don't like the possibility of instilling that kind of thought process on anybody. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That's a balance I need to work on because you know I should be able to. I should feel comfortable being open about my hopes and dreams. Like even telling my boss that this is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I like I'm not. I can't give you an exact timeline today. But by the end of the summer, I'm going to give you an idea of, like, this is when I'm not going to be here anymore. Right. I, whether it is around my birthday in November or if it's closer towards the end of the year. But, like, there's going to be a point where I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm going to leave in good standing so I have the ability to go back to Petco. Right. Go back to the pet store. Right. Um, if I want to. And just leave in good standing because it is 10 years of solid, loyal work history. Right that I don't want to give up. But, yeah, even telling him that that's what I'm going to do, I felt guilty. Like, I felt so selfish. And that's all on me. But that's what society makes you think you're supposed to do. At least the society I personally see around me. They make you feel bad for doing just you. I feel like that's ridiculous. Well, it's funny because, you know, that's become sort of a catchphrase that's 
been popular in the last few years is you do you and you know it's so much so that it's in a lot of advertising now which is you know the to me is sort of the uh, polar opposite of creativity because <laughs> uh, it's exploiting I don't know I, I, I feel like advertisers for the most part find the purest moments of what it is to be human and then turn it around to make money off of it and I'm just like that's evil but mm-hmm. the term you do you is used all the time now but it's I feel like it's not a genuine thing because so many people who are truly doing you know following their own path are questioned and ridiculed and it's you know I don't know I hear so much like Oh, it's great to be a freak. I'm like, are you though? Because I know like what you're doing that's like quote unquote freaky. I'm like, I see 50 other people, and that's fine if that's really what's motivating you. But I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like. Why do they even need to have a label? Right. Why? Like, was it matter if? Yeah, because it. I agree. Is really what I'm getting down to yeah. because it should just be you're doing you. Yeah. If I I always like to re- reference Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Because I feel he is the truest of just like if it does not affect me, why do I care? What does that I mean? And I guess he's not a great example because you know the character of Ron Ron Swanson absolutely thinks plenty of people are freaks and psychos right. and whatever, but. You know, at the end of the day, if it's not on his property, he doesn't right. give a fuck. Yeah, and he also doesn't, as much as he'll voice his feelings about them to, you know, people who inquire, he doesn't go out of his way to tell these people he disapproves of the way they, because he doesn't care. He's like, they're living their life. Precisely. So. And I think there's something to be said for people just kind of when they do indeed just go and do them whatever that might be they have I mean kind of of they receive they just they they either go overboard and get really into social media and posting connecting within that community about what they're doing or they just kind of fall off and they don't necessarily reach out to their old because I think so many people have lost the ability to think critically, speak critically, but not necessarily criticize. Right. Right. And it is absolutely a fine art, but you know, as I go along, I mean, even even now, I get criticized for being a single female. Right. I have I had a conversation this past weekend at work where somebody you know asked me why there isn't a ring on this. And I just got to look at them like, you know, tried that. It was a really shitty idea. Still got the ring, but, you know, done with all that shit. Like, I, I don't even know why you think that's a necessity. But, you know, especially at work, it's not like I can actually say what I want to say. Right. Um, but I don't necessarily 
talk often about the fact that I am a single female. Because there's not much positive reinforcement to that. Sure. People just criticize or they have nothing to say. But I'm open to having conversation. Even if somebody tells me, like, well, that's crazy. I mean, like, don't you get lonely? You should have somebody. You should be trying to make a partner. I'd love to have that debate with somebody if they truly felt that way. Right. And the debate doesn't need to make me feel bad about it. Right. But there's so many people or just so many conversations that I hear or participate in where it's just like you don't have anything constructive to say. So, yeah. And just that art to have a critical thought without criticizing someone on the other end. Just seems completely lost in society to the point that then people don't have conversations. Right, right. Well, I mean, and that, you know, again, like, invokes the name of this podcast, which is This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, which, you know, I had my mother years ago ask me about that, because I've, I've, I've had that tattooed on my wrist for about 15 years now. It's I totally stole it from an album by this Welsh band, The Manic Street Preachers, but I love the idea of... I was actually going to ask, yeah. because I did find that, that and I did listen to a handful yeah. of songs, like, yeah. I just, I could see this. I yeah. could see this kind of being an influence. Yeah, oh, it's, I mean, and that's a, you know... It's funny to me because that's probably one of my like ten favorite artists of all time. But they're all but unknown in this country. But they're huge, almost everywhere else in the world. Um, I mean, case in point. So about five, six years ago, they had the twentieth anniversary of not their best-selling album, but kind of their most critically like lauded album. Okay, critically uh, acclaimed. Yeah. And they had toured the United States for the first time in at least 10 years at that point. And it was a small tour. It was like major cities. It was like, you know, Boston, New York, Chicago, L.A., mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But they played at the St. Clair in Cambridge, which holds, I want to say like 1,800 people. And it wasn't sold out. But literally two weeks before, they played two sold-out nights at the O2 Arena, which is the Wembley Arena in London. Yes. Yeah. I think it's somewhere between forty and 50,000 people. And it was like two nights sold out. And I was just like, it's so weird how, you know, you fly across an ocean. But, uh, yeah, to, I just, I always loved that phrase. And it's kind of changed and evolved over the years for me, but it's really... To me, it means having something that you believe in, but also be open to hear someone else's truth and letting that seep in, and then you kind of can evolve your own truth. And you know, yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that, and I do love the title of this. Like, I actually, I mean, been we've been following each other on Instagram for. I mean, I, honestly, I think you kind of started popping up for me around the time I came back to New Hampshire. Okay. So we're going on almost two years yeah. of social yeah. media contact. But I remember you posting about, you know, this is my truth, tell me yours podcast. And that name always did pop out at me right. if I were more technologically advanced and right. like uh, functional. Right. I probably would have come across it actually a little bit sooner in life. Yeah, but it's, it's, but yeah, it's, it's a good, no, it's a good title. And I appreciate it even more with that more thorough explanation. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that really is 
that's exactly what this is about. Yeah, and it really struck a chord with me. I like that. Uh, it was fun. So the last, uh, I was saying earlier, you know, when you were first looking for it, I was like, there's an episode that is a really good one. Um, so it was uh, with Aaron Perino. He's the singer of a band called the Sheila Divine, but they've been around, you know, a little over 20 years. And so he asked me about the title. He's like, that's Manic Street Preachers, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, so our very first tour after our debut album came out, he's like, we opened for the Manic Street Preachers for X amount of years. So it was kind of a cool, like, full circle, like, conversation. That's really yeah. cool. And I had gotten, I had... Maybe six months ago, someone from their management company reached out and was like, is there a reference to this? And I was like, and I was very, like, cautious at the time, and I was like, it is, is, is this a problem, right? Because it's different enough, uh, and I was worried that I was then going to get a cease and desist, and they're like, no, that's that's very cool, we, we you know, we appreciate it. <laughs> so I was like... Well, maybe someday I'll get to sit down with one of the guys from the band. We'll see. You never know. Uh, yeah, no, that's like that's that's an email. You keep that. You keep that. You right. keep that contact always. Right. Just yeah. you know, well, you never know. And the, the the greatest thing, really, for me that this podcast has given me so far is it's forced me to be. It's forced me to muster courage that I didn't normally have as far as like reaching out to people and saying hey I have this podcast I'd love to talk to you for it and pretty much because you know we live in New Hampshire and we don't get a lot of big national acts coming through here but there are certain places around here that are getting more and more national acts so I've been whenever I see an artist that interests me coming through the area I'll just shoot off message usually through social media saying hey you're playing in Portsmouth on this date I have this podcast would you be willing to talk to me for an hour or so you know for every 10 that I send off and get no response uh, one is like yeah sure and so I've talked to some people that you know are people I admire people that are an inspiration to me that I never would have necessarily had the, you know the ability to have sort of a conversation with otherwise so that's fantastic yeah I absolutely love that yeah and it's every single time I do it it's terrifying but it's good for me to be terrified it's, it's good for me to like grow and be uncomfortable and you know figure out how to how to do it better so I, yep it it's just it's so funny that that's how you phrase it I one of the podcasts I've just kind of been listening to randomly is it is actually it's a couple of van lifing females who yep. are uh, solo van lifing, but they're yep. kind of uh, currently caravanning around the Colorado, Oregon areas. Yeah. Uh, but they are from Canada. Um, but oh no, I mean, almost every single podcast ends up being an hour of talking about how you have to live in that edge like you have to live in that edge of fear just outside of your comfort zone and I mean sure it's great to have days within the comfort zone but where you actually learn and grow and become a better being is in the fear 
Uh, and it's just one of those, like, when you start to see something or hear a thought, all of a sudden you hear it and see it everywhere. That's exactly how that thought process is. As soon as I kind of started thinking and realizing how much I really need to live outside of these comfort zones I've built for myself, even though even though getting into these comfort zones was, two, three years ago, terrifying in itself. I do, you have to flip it again, and you have to get outside of the comfort zone. You have to do things that kind of scare you. Oh, yeah. And the best part is, especially with something like that, reaching out to artists that, you know, most likely aren't going to respond. They're most likely not going to respond. And we still let ourselves have this fear and anxiety over it. When, I mean, you're asking the question, who cares? Even if they do respond and say no, what does that matter? It doesn't... But we let it bother us, and we let it build up. And even, you know, having this conversation, it's not like I'm not going to have those moments myself. Right. Totally going to have those moments myself. I have those moments every single time I, like, put things into text on social media, and I'm like, I usually draft things for a day and a half, read it seven times, and I'm like, okay, I'm, ugh, okay, I'm, I'm, no, I'm cool with this. Yeah. I'm, but what the fuck does it really matter? Right. I've started stopping myself from doing that, and I'm posting more quickly and just yeah. trying to, like, if I have a thought, I'm putting it out there. Sure. I feel like I have some pretty interesting thoughts. Absolutely. And half the reason I have thoughts is to hear people's opinions to or against them. Right. But even with that being my end goal, I still feel hesitation. I still feel that, like, oh, I just don't want to do this. I just want to go back into my little hole, make some cookies, pot of coffee. I don't want to do it. But I do. And it's just that it is all a inner action that you just have to reach to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point to... Uh put a comma in this conversation because I feel like I feel like we'll have more conversations oh oh I, I think that could definitely happen yeah. um, especially might have to do something if this road trip does indeed uh, start taking off for me absolutely might have to uh, chat before I head off into the wilderness and yeah. uh, maybe try and chat when I come back or yeah. whatever comes from that well, it was funny, so last time we got together, which was probably two, maybe three months ago, I don't remember the exact time, but it was a just little a, bit of Just time. about two months ago, yeah. just about. But since then, and I can't remember if I had mentioned to you that I was planning on doing another little road trip. Yes, like, you did. Yeah, yeah, so I've kind of made firmer plans since because, you know, you talking about the little trip that you just did, um, and I, I don't use the word little in a dismissive way but it was a short period of it time it was oh my yeah. gosh it was it was wonderful and yeah. amazing yeah. and but no it was nothing and it needed to be so much more yeah but that's sort of like what invigorated me that I was like alright I need to do this this year like uh, in the fall so yeah it'll be interesting to to do that again because ever since I did my big trip two years ago I've been like alright I need to go back visit some of the places I literally just passed through yeah spend some time walk around you know mm-hmm. just kind of soak up the people and the places there but again it's sort of I'm putting the feelers out for okay where in 18 months 2 years 5 years from now do I want to spend some time you know, yeah. you know put my bare feet in the sand you know so on and so forth so yeah it'll be uh, that so so you were sort of a inspiration that kind of 
Oh, I so that that glad. literally like warms my heart a little. I'm so glad. Yeah. Because I I mean I feel like that's one of the best things a person could inspire. I for sure somewhat inspired you to go be more than that's yeah. just fucking beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I do appreciate uh, taking I the time. I appreciate uh, you having me yeah. here. It's been a fabulous conversation yeah. once again. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to more fabulous conversations in the future. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks, Jess.